Welcome into the Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your host, Lauren McClain. How's it going, everybody? The games have begun. It's a unique time that happens every two years where you get to watch the pure and raw athleticism from competitors from each country who have, for some, worked their entire lives for this moment. It truly is a thing of beauty. This lifetime of hard work and dedication that goes into one game, one routine, and with some of these sports, just one moment is enough to keep anybody on the edge of their seat. And the whole city completely transforms for the games in order to entertain people from all around the world. Salt Lake City had the opportunity in 2002 with the Winter Games, and we'll speak with someone who was a part of that experience later on in the show. But first, I want to bring on the man who may or may not be an Olympian, but has an Olympic-sized heart, Jason Shepard. What's up, Shep? Wow, are you going to make me cry like to start the show? What in the world? An Olympic-sized heart, goal. huh? That's, that's it was very my nice. goal. How did I do? You did, did very you well. And the may or may not be an Olympian, it's for sure the may not be. <laughs> well, I don't want to make you feel too bad about yourself because you are a wonderful, wonderful human being. However, not all of us can be Olympians. In fact, most of, most of us are not. And today I want to show everybody just how extremely elite the athletes competing in the games are, and if, as if we didn't already know that. But sometimes when we're sitting on the couches, we think, hey, I can do that. I could do that. Whatever that guy did, I could do that. I think I can th- think I can throw as far as that guy or or whatever they're doing. But unfortunately, for like ninety nine point nine percent of us, that is that is no, no, we cannot do that. And Ship, has there ever been anything that you've watched where you've said that to yourself, like, "Hey, I can do that. I can do what that guy's doing." Uh, most times, not. Um, like, <laughs> like I, I am. I have been around sports long enough to know my limitations. And and you said it to begin the show, just the the raw athleticism that you see with the athletes that have spent years training for these moments. And specifically you're talking about the Olympics. I mean, for you know, what could be such a short period of time, the amount of training that goes into it, I it, it's amazing. I I I'm in awe of of not just the preparation, but what they are able to accomplish with so much dedication to, to their sport, to whatever event they're doing. It really is amazing. And at no point have I ever said, yeah, you know what? I could probably do that. (laughs) You're well, you're a lot more self-aware than I am. (laughs) I think because I think especially with like the Olympic sports, when I watch for like Kate Hansen, for example, when she's going down the luge, I'm like, listen, I can lay on that thing and get a good time. But that's absolutely not the truth. Like you said, it's years and years and years of hard work that goes into this. But I feel like there are a lot of couch uh, competitors, if you will. And uh, to prove this, we're going to go over a few numbers and compare some BYU athletes to these Olympic athletes. Because we know, Shep, that some of these BYU athletes are amazing, especially track and field. They are some of the best in the entire country, if not the best, like they were this year. Uh, and then we're going to compare them to ourselves. So let's start with the 100-meter dash. Shep, how fast do you think you could run the 100-meter dash? Uh, let's see. The 100-meter dash, I could probably do that in, uh, I would say, under a minute. <laughs> I don't think under a minute. Look, wow. I don't want to set the bar. Like, if I set crawling? the bar so low when I shatter that, then people are like, wow, he really is, is better than we thought. <laughs> One, you're crawling. 
you were crawling the 100. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, right, well, I don't know, 15 seconds. I don't know. I mean, I, I can. Okay. I, That's Usain, more realistic. You, yeah. Usain Bolt did it in 9.63. So like what I'm, yes, what I'm thinking is there's, there's no chance I'm even coming close to Usain Bolt. He means he's Usain Bolt for crying out loud. <laughs> But like, could I be five <laughs> seconds slower than Usain Bolt? Probably. <laughs> and you think about that. That's like one, two, three. <laughs> like in a hundred, 100 meter dash, five seconds is a really long time. And that's probably realistic. Uh, for BYU, Frank Fredericks ran it in 9.95 back in 1991. So that was a solid three seconds behind Usain Bolt, who's the best in the entire world. And three seconds is a long time. All right, the 10,000-meter, Shep, horrible, mm. horrible race. Um, the Olympic best time is 27 minutes. How, how fast do you think you could have ran the 10,000-meter race? Say under an hour. That's going to be my answer for everything. <laughs> and that I'm one legitimately just under an hour. Like, I, like I actually I, think that's true. If if I'm if I'm running, I don't know I don't know how you feel about this. I know that there are a lot of people that like to go running and they do the, the long distance. I I would need to be a sprinter because I just can't do long distance running. So the ten thousand, just I'm tired thinking about it. <laughs> I'm with you, man. I am with you. I'm I'm of the belief that mammals are meant to sprint and nothing else. None of these long distances, but amen. But Ed Eystone actually holds the the BYU record. And he did it in 27 minutes. So, oh, oh, sorry, 27 minutes, 41 seconds. So he was very, very close to the Olympic record. Way to go, Ed. Ed's an amazing, he was an Olympian himself. Yeah, I hope, I hope people, especially BYU fans, you know, they, um, they've heard of Ed and, you know, we've had him on like BYU Sports Nation and certainly an unbelievable coach here on campus. I I hope people realize how good of an athlete, not that's, that's, that's selling him short. Good is not the right word how great of an athlete Ed Eyestone was. He was an unbelievable athlete. And it, it's awesome that he is in charge of, of, uh, of track and field here at BYU. Absolutely. And he has done incredible things to that program. I feel like it is rare to find someone who is an elite athlete and also an elite coach. A lot of these athletes think they can coach, but that's also harder than you think and and requires a different set of skills. But Ed Eyestone has been able to wrangle both of those and just be an incredible athlete and an incredible coach. So I agree with you. It's he's he's a blessing to BYU and a heck of Um, a good guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. All right, Chip, pole vault. I just pole vault is so intriguing to me because it looks so difficult and scary. And I think the pole is going to break every time they go. Yes. Uh, the yes. Olympic record every time is, I think it's going to snap in the middle. <laughs> Me too. I'm like, no, 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 no. Or they're going to land on their head and die. So yeah. glad that that usually doesn't happen. Uh, so the Olympic record is 20 feet, just above 20 feet. That's amazing. BYU's record. Uh, his name is Jack McWhorter. He did it in, in a little over 18 feet. How, how high could you pole vault, Chef? Oh, <laughs> like uh, I'm going to say I, zero for me. Yeah. So look, okay, so so we've had Zach on BYU Sports Nation before, and okay. we were just kind of asking, like, how do you get into this? How do you get into this? Like, you know, you there's leagues for football and basketball and soccer and you know whatever the case may be, baseball. How do you get into to being a, a pole vault? His, his dad did that as well, but he's from Arkansas, and he told us that. Growing up, they had like a, 
like a pole vault setup in their yard. And it's just kind of what they did for fun. And he practiced and that's kind of how he got into it. What? Can you imagine that no. being just something you have for in your fun. yard? <laughs> Son, let's, let's go out back and not, not throw the baseball. Let's go do pole vault. Let's go Honestly, do our, to our pole vault setup and play around. What? That's crazy. The, I the love physics, that. The physics behind the pole itself not breaking every time is mind-boggling to me. <laughs> it really is to me. So, all right, Shep, for me and you, zero, zero yes. feet on the, the pole vault. All right, let's yes. move on to the javelin. Uh, listen, I actually did throw the javelin in high school, and Ben Bagley mm-hmm. threw yes. it in college. So yes. javelin uh, has a special place in our hearts. The Olympic record is 297 feet. That is amazing. So the BYU record actually was broken this year by Cameron Bates, and it's 253 feet. So Olympic 297, BYU's 253. Shep, how far can you throw the javelin? Okay, so let me ask you, since you have actually thrown a javelin, how, how heavy yeah. is the javelin itself? I've never, I have never it's picked one up in my life. It's not super heavy. It's, well, you need to do that. It's actually a lot harder than you think. People that play baseball or softball think it's going to be easy to throw. That's yeah. what I thought at the beginning. It's actually a very completely different dynamic. It's different weight. You have to hold it differently and there's an approach, uh, but it, it's, it's not super heavy, but there is a little bit of weight to it so it can fly and then stick in the ground. Um, so well, yeah, I threw, I, yeah. What was your yes. record? So I, I actually hold the toot my own horn here. Pleasant Grove high school, Javelin throwing record. I'm sure no one threw it before or after me, but I think mine was 119 feet. Are you serious? You have the record? I have the record. Yes, at Pleasant Grove High School in Utah. I had. I did not know that. I did not know that you were involved in track and field in high school, and and let alone that you are the school's all time leader (laughs) in in distance in the javelin. You know, that's not. It's not really something I I put. I put on my resume, Shep. It's not. That's. That is amazing. something I, I, I talk about, but yeah. <laughs> I believe I could at least throw 100 feet. I honestly don't know because, like, you mentioned pitcher and things like that. Um, yeah. I think, you know, that's if, – if you're a pitcher and you're throwing to the home plate, it's like, you know, 60, 60 feet. So, right. you know, and I, and I can do that. So, I, I'm guessing at, at least 100 feet. I mean, I don't know if I'd beat your record, but I could get at least 100 feet, I would think. Okay, well, we're going to go to a field, an open field. Meet you, Ben Bagley. We can throw in Spencer and Jeremy. We're going to see how far all of us can throw the javelin because really it's difficult. It's really difficult. All right, let's move on to the last one that I have, the four-by-one relay because I think the four-by-one is so much fun to watch where they have to pass the baton to each other successfully. Um, Jamaica, not surprisingly, with Usain Bolt, holds the record, the world record, with 36 seconds. 36.84 BYU's record is 38.88. So Shep, let's put this in perspective. If me, mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. Spencer and Jerem ran okay. the four by one relay, okay. how quickly do you believe we could do it with the world record being uh, about 36 seconds? I would say under an hour. That's one lap, one lap <laughs> under an hour, one lap around the, uh, the thing. You know what I the see relays I could do because it it is like you said it's you're splitting it up four ways so it's a much shorter I don't know it, it thirty eight forty four I I don't know I mean I think we could probably get pretty close to like is 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 a minute is that is that pushing it 
Well, listen, you said you could do the 115 seconds. So I guess if you just times that by four, what is that? What's 15 times four? I am terrible at math, Shep. Top of your head. Well, that would be, that would be a minute. Well, there you go. (laughs) One minute. So, so we would only be halfway done when all the rest of these guys are done. (laughs) Oh, that would be, that would be a sight to behold. They're like, don't mind us. We just, we just want to finish. We just want to finish the race. We're just here for fun. Yeah. We're going to be what everyone's cheering. Capri Suns for this for afterwards. (laughs) Some orange slices, please. To make this all worth it. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, good stuff. Honestly, these athletes are just incredible, and I hope everyone appreciates and understands that. And up next, let's reminisce about the 2002 Winter Olympics in Salt Lake City with Sean O'Neill, an Olympic volunteer and assistant manager at BYU Radio. Don't go anywhere. This is Cougar Tailgate. the Cougar Tailgate. I'm Lauren McLean. The Tokyo Games are in full force with the best athletes in the world gathered in one place to compete for the opportunity to bring back a medal to their home country. And it's an incredible opportunity for the host country and city, which Salt Lake City scored back in 2002 with the Winter Olympics. And joining me now is Sean O'Neill, who is the assistant manager at BYU Radio and was a volunteer for the Salt Lake City Games. Thanks for coming on with me, Sean. Oh, I'm glad to be here. I love talking Olympics. I know. Back in the day, back in the day in 2002, if you can remember, (laughs) 19 years ago. How does that make you feel? That was almost 20 years ago that you volunteered for the games. I am so old. (laughs) It's just, (laughs) it's it's actually strange because um, I had two children at that time. Um, Uh One who, uh, oh, geez, uh, a two-year-old was my youngest, and it's my second child. (laughs) And now I have a 16-year-old, soon to be 17-year-old, actually, who was not even born at that time. So it is, yeah, I'm I'm feeling old, but uh, at the same time, (laughs) I I look back on it, and it was so cool to have the Olympics here. Uh, I'm kind of an Olympic buff. I, I I love watching the Olympics, and I love... Taking well, I didn't take part in any Olympics. That would have been fun, actually. But uh, <laughs> um, well, I, I guess I took part as an as a volunteer. But that was right. that was very interesting, actually, taking part in all of that. Um, uh, we had to sign up on it was one of the first things I ever signed up for online. Actually, um, they actually had an online uh, application process which you went through, mm-hmm. um, and then I, I actually had uh, applied to be. A uh, interpreter, uh, be, because I I don't speak as well now, but I, I speak Italian, and uh, I, so I was trying to be an interpreter for the Olympics. Um, I ended up doing something much different, though, for for the Olympics. I was assigned to which the, was <laughs> yeah. Um, I was assigned to be up at uh, a place called Soldier Hollow here in Utah. Uh, that it was uh-huh. that was actually the venue for the cross country skiing and the biathlon events. So, okay. um, it, yeah, it was a lot of fun, and I was I was assigned to the communications trailer or the tech trailer, kind of, is what we would refer to it nowadays. We were actually in charge of all the telephones, uh, the TVs, and the copy machines. Those were all the office machines that were being used at that venue. <laughs> wow! And so we were in charge of all of those. Uh, I remember being up there. A little beforehand, 
uh, before the games actually started and uh, installing telephones into uh, the press boxes, which were massive, by the way. We probably had uh, we had two – oh, geez. Uh, there were two levels of press boxes and there was probably 30 different installations of phones in each of the two floors uh, of the press box. Um, wow. and, and they were kind of manufactured with plywood and stuff, but it was it was really cool to see all the people in there uh, once once everything got going. We had trainings on how to talk with people uh, and trainings on all sorts of different things. Uh, we got a lot of swag out of the deal too, actually, <laughs> because we all got uniforms. We actually got tickets to the dress rehearsal for the opening ceremonies. And uh, okay. I I did not get to attend that though. My wife uh, took her friend uh, to that. I I had to Rude. work. I actually well I had to work. <laughs> so oh, okay, that, I, well, that makes it better. Though. Yeah, <laughs> I was working in radio at the time, and uh, I had to. It was on the week. I think it was on a Saturday night or something. And I worked mm. weekends uh, overnights, so I had to go into work and could not attend that. But we did get um, tickets to the. Uh, or to a uh, medal awarding ceremony. Um, mm. So we got free tickets to that. And um, Soldier Hollow is outside of a town called Midway, Utah. So it's on the back side of the Wasatch Front. So uh, Provo is on the front side of the Wasatch Front. So you have to drive through Provo Canyon, through the mountains, and then get to that, the back side of the mountain. And uh, they had actually taken a farmer's field. They had, I don't know if they rented it, if they paid the farmer for the field or whatever, but we had a field that we would go and park in. That was our parking lot. Uh, it was his field, <laughs> but it was in the middle of winter, so he wasn't really growing anything at the time. Right. Uh, but that and was I bet where, he was making a lot of money. I, more more money than he was for growing anything, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, but that's where that's we would crazy. park, and we would go through security down there as well. And then... Uh, we would get on a bus and be driven up to the actual venue of Soldier Hollow. Uh, we and we'd have a we had a separate entrance for those who were volunteers and those who were spectators, and we would go in and then I would actually go up to the trailer. Uh, you know, you know, you know those industrial trailers that you, that uh, mm-hmm. you have on a work site or something. We had a bunch of those. Each one had a, a separate division of whatever was running at the venue. And so ours in the communication area, we would go in and and we would sit down and we would watch a lot of curling, actually. Wow. Since we were in charge of the TV. Really? Yeah, we were in charge of the TVs <laughs> at the venue. Uh, we got the biggest TV in our trailer. <laughs> Oh my yeah, it, was, gosh. it was kind of a it was and kind of a perk. Curling. Well, because once I mean we we did a lot of setup before any of the press showed up or any of the spectators or any of the competitors even showed up. So we did a lot of work beforehand. And then on the actual days of competition, there wasn't much for us to do. If, if maybe if a phone went out or something, we would go replace it. But mostly what we would do is after the competitions were done for that day is we would go out and replace the paper in the copy machines. That, that was basically <laughs> what we did. But it we, was a tough job. It then. was a very tough job. Uh, we, we rode around in a, in a uh, you know, a two-by-two two thing with paper in the back and, you know, like a John Deere sort of little tractor thing. We'd drive to – there was right. like five different areas uh, that had copiers at Soldier Hollow uh, where we would go and 
Uh, I learned how to load paper very fast into a copy machine, though. It's it's it's, and I still do it to this day. It's a very amazing. <laughs> Till this day, it's a skill that that's coming <laughs> yes. in handy for you. It is, but at the same time, um, I do remember um, when we did go to the the medal ceremony, um, walking downtown in downtown Salt Lake City. They had they had streets that were blocked off for uh, the medals area and the whole. It was kind of a – it was a fair atmosphere downtown in Salt Lake City. Mm. It was fabulous. They had um, – I still remember to this day, they would have fireworks nightly um, in downtown Salt Lake City. But at the same time, they had these bit huge murals on the sides of buildings. They were They were photographs and they had – pasted them down the sides of buildings. And so you had an ice skater on one building. You had a, a loser on one other building. You'd have uh, all sorts of different sports on the sides of buildings. And they were all lit up at night. And mm-hmm. the scene there, and when the fireworks went off, it was amazing to see the whole thing all just in in its spectacularness. Uh, I, was, I was amazed by it. And walking downtown with all of the other people, all the spectators that were there, from around the world, it wasn't just, you know, there, uh, the majority were from the United States, obviously, but there were people there from all over the world. It, it is. It's absolutely incredible when you think about every little detail that goes into planning these games. I feel like people maybe don't realize that this is years and years and years in the making. Sean, I don't know if you know how mm-hmm. far ahead they have the games planned. I think it's like, what? 20 years or something? They have they know, like, which city the games are going to be in. It's just, Oh, yes. They, uh, they, so they uh, can start planning it because, like you said, the whole city just completely transforms, which is what Tokyo is going through right now. Exactly. At least in Salt Lake City, it was a it was a major transformation. But at the same time, uh, we had I mean, we had venues, um, at least in the Wasatch Front area here. We had venues that went from Ogden, where the curling was happening, all the way uh-huh. down to Provo, where ice hockey was taking place. And that was, I mean, that is, a, for, for people who don't know the area, that is probably an hour and a half drive between the two cities, I would believe, Ogden and Provo. Mm-hmm. And you had, and you had, and then you had all the skiing up in Park City as well. If you've, and if you've ever been skiing here in Utah, you know how far away Park City is from the downtown area. It's, I mean, it's not an extreme distance. It's not like you're driving three hours or something. It, right. it might be an hour from the airport, but... With everybody else driving at the same time and trying to go to, oh, yeah. I mean, in the same area you had you had the bobsled, you had the alpine skiing, and all of that stuff in that one area. So traffic got to be pretty interesting, I should say, <laughs> in the Salt Lake area. Oh yeah, I still remember because I dr- I had to drive to Salt Lake to go to work um, on the weekends when I was working there. And that got a little rough because some of the some of the streets that I had to drive down were closed off, so I had to find uh, different parking in uh, in the area of downtown where I worked. But it was it, it was worth it. I think it was totally worth it to see everybody there that was vested in these games. I, it, it was amazing how much support people gave to uh, athletes and the games themselves in general. Because uh, it, it, when they say Olympic movement, it, it is a movement. And, it, and mm-hmm. that movement continues on all throughout the years. And I, I am a big supporter of it now. Having, having been a part of it 
uh, once. I, I would love to be a part of it again. I actually did get to go to um, another Olympic Games, though, uh, down, when they had them in Los Angeles. Uh, okay. I am still trying to remember what year that was. I want to say 1984. Okay. Uh, I believe before it, I was born, Sean. <laughs> okay, thank you. I'm feeling even <laughs> older now. <clears throat> I was like, why don't I remember those games? <laughs> oh yes, that's why. <laughs> but I actually, uh, I actually won some tickets uh, to go see uh, the wrestling uh, down at the uh, oh, no down way. in L.A. Fun. Uh, I lived in Northern California at the time, so I got to drive down there and see that. And just going to the event was was an occasion in itself. But being a part of it in 2002 and, and actually being somewhat behind the scenes, I don't think I, I don't think I saw the whole view behind the scenes, but right. I, I got to see a little bit of it. And it was it felt I, I don't know, I, I, I felt like I was I was giving of myself at least um, to help this event happen. And and there were, oh. I think there was something like 20,000 volunteers for the 2002 wow. Olympics. I mean, and, and they were volunteers. None of them were paid, although right. we did receive Except things that were nice. Yeah. Um, I still have uh, – we, we actually it, – it, I don't know. It felt like a retirement thing actually when you uh, – at the, at the end, you went through and um, as, you, as you ended the Olympics – uh, you got to go through this line and received all. There uh, got a coin, uh, an Olympic coin that was made for the volunteers, and uh -huh. also a watch. So it was kind of like you know the gold oh, watch okay. at retirement sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yep. But it was a it, nice. Thank you for participating in the games. It was. So cool. It was really. They were very very nice to the volunteers. Um, they knew we were giving of our time and and trying to help out and and make it a very successful event, which I think it actually became. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it was one of the few games that actually turned a profit, uh, if I wow. remember right. And and it turned such a profit that we still have Olympic venues open today here in, in the uh, Utah area that are running. Thank you so much for taking the time with me today and, and reminiscing with me about 2002 because those were some, some good times. Oh, not a problem. Thank you very much for having me because I always, I always love remembering back to that time and how much fun we had uh, at all the venues and, and just being a volunteer and helping out and, and just making, the, making it possible for the Olympics to happen. Absolutely. Thank you so, so much, Sean. And that does it for us today. Thanks again to Jason Shepard and Sean O'Neill for coming on the show with me. You can join the Cougar Tailgate virtually, of course, every Saturday at noon Mountain Time or download, rate, and review our podcast on Apple, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, or on BYUradio.org. This is Cougar Tailgate.